This is a bonus episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. Okay, now you can probably guess why I'm doing a bonus episode. Trump got indicted again! Ah! I don't know, do we cheer? (laughs) Do we laugh maniacally? Do we pull a Hillary Clinton and go, ah, 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 ah. I kind of want to do that. I'm I'm actually just delirious because I haven't slept much um, because I've been working on this. So anyway, let me just explain before I play the first clip because this is a little complicated. So Monday, the word was that he was going to get indicted. So everybody was anticipating that. So my plan was, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get the five Brett Bear into the Ingram Angle, Jesse Waters Primetime, and Hannity. And just see what they give me. And uh, the five didn't even mention it. Brett Baer did talk about it. But it was like, oh, yeah, by the way, he might get indicted. Oh, here's here's a story about Hunter Biden. And then it was just mentioned once on the Ingram angle. And I'm sitting here going, ah, what am I doing? What a waste. What a total waste. And uh, but things shifted. And at the start of Jesse Waters primetime the panic started to set in and I was like, Oh, Oh, maybe it's going to happen. Why is it happening so late at night? This is weird. And then we go into Hannity and Hannity was sheer panic and went ahead and went two hours. He just cut right into Gutfeld exclamation point. That's what I'm calling that show. Um, and it was just wiped out just straight Hannity for two hours. So no announcement. It was just when it hit the one hour mark, I was like, okay, oh, no. He just goes, nope, we're going to go another hour. And uh, they didn't announce the actual indictment until fairly late, which would be, I guess, around 11 p.m. Because he starts at 9, so it's 9 to 10, 10 to 11. uh, So close to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that was pretty shocking. Uh, So this first clip is from Monday night. Jesse Waters Primetime, which is sub-hosted by Pete Hegseth. So sadly, no freaking out of Jesse Waters. That would have been fun, but I think he's on vacation. Looks like the fourth indictment is coming down the pike for Donald Trump. Get the orange cones arranged outside the courthouse. It appears that this can happen at any moment. Many of these charges were also carefully crafted, it appears, to be state-level charges. So they say federal pardons won't apply. We know what they're after. All they want is orange man wearing orange. That's it. So orange man wearing orange. I think Pete Hegseth did actually wrap that up pretty brilliantly, even though I don't think he meant it the way he thought it would come across, at least to people who hate Trump. Uh, I just want to add very quickly that, you know, his opinion about this being carefully crafted So they were state charges and not federal, so he can't pardon himself is a bit ridiculous. Um, It's very obvious, having sat through the January 6th committee hearings, the many witnesses that were part of Georgia who were affected by Trump's actions and his team's actions in the state, they are mad. That entire state, all these people that got death threats, that had their jobs threatened, people who did quit their jobs, the people who were harassed. Um, there's just a lot of resentment towards Trump. The fact that a lot of them just went ahead and ran for re-election and won their seats, despite all of his slings uh, 
and arrows at them. They didn't care. So this is, I think this is, yeah, they're going for it. Um, I'll, I'll just little by little get into what I, I t discussed with my sister. But the next voice you're going to hear, I do want to introduce this person because he's not common. His name is Mike Davis. He's the founder of Article 3. He does come on Fox quite a bit, but I don't think um, anybody would recognize his voice without me explaining who he is. This is part of lawfare. We saw this with Alvin Bragg, the Soros funded Manhattan DA, charging Trump for the non-crime of a, of a businessman settling a nuisance claim. And now we have Fannie Willis, a Democrat politician down in Atlanta, charging Trump, uh, like Jack Smith, for the non-crime of objecting to a presidential election, which is allowed by the Electoral Count Act of 1887. Twisting arms politically is allowed by the First Amendment. It's only illegal to object to elections in third world Marxist hellholes like Zimbabwe and now Washington, D.C., New York and Atlanta. But Democrats are doing this now, driven by Joe Biden, Merrick Garland, and the Biden Justice Department are waging all-out lawfare against President Trump. So apparently the term lawfare is an actual thing. I had never heard of it before. My sister laughed, openly laughed when I used it with her. She had never heard of it before, and she's a lawyer. So she was like, what? Lawfare? But it could be because she is criminal defense and it's just not used widely in that realm of law. Uh, What's funny, and you're going to hear that word used quite a bit, is it suddenly just became a thing maybe a week or two ago on Fox and that people just start spontaneously saying, this is lawfare. And you're going to hear it a lot in these clips tonight. Um, and it's equally hilarious because like I've seen many other times previous when I've gone through these clips on Fox, Everybody who says it tries to act like they are spontaneously coming up with it. Like they just thought of it or they're actually creating the word, which is even goofier. The transcription service on Premiere Pro didn't recognize it as a word and kept rewriting it as warfare. So it's going to be tricky to find this in transcripts. Um, but yes, I'm just going to have to look for warfare and go through the transcript and like manually fix it. Uh, that's how goofy this is. It becomes like the lawfare, lawfare. Now, the next voice you're going to hear, this was funny, I thought, was is Dana Loesch. Dana Loesch is from the same area of Missouri that I'm from. Not quite the exact same area, but close. Same socioeconomic background, too, which kind of blew my mind. But she's not a lawyer, but she, like many experts on Fox lately, tries to sort of position herself as one, which she's clearly not. I'm not either, so... You know, just I'm not pretending I am either. I have a sister who's an attorney. It's not turning people against Trump. What it's doing is it's I mean, people who may not even support Trump in the primary or in the election at all are stopping and they're taking inventory of all of this. And they're they're thinking to themselves, wait a minute. We remember what happened with the FBI and DOJ, with parents who spoke up at school board meetings. We remembered what happened with and is ongoing with ATF and uh, federal firearms licensees and all of these other innocent individuals. They go over this catalog of situations in their mind, Pete, where it really seems like you've mm -hmm. had a weaponized government go after individuals over ideology. And this doesn't look any different. And the government has not made its case. Now, Dana Loesch, is a, she has a radio show. She's very skilled at talking, and that is an actual skill. She's very, I've seen her multiple times when they need someone to just stretch, like take something that should take 30 seconds to explain, and she'll go for five minutes. That's Dana Loesch. Dana Loesch used to be a spokesperson for the NRA, 
the National Rifle Association, which you can kind of hear in that language she was using about ATF and people with guns and yada yada. So I kept that clip in there. I, I decided to put that clip in there because you're going to hear that repeated over the course of these clips in that she says it's, you know, Trump is representative of the Catholics who've been persecuted, although they weren't really persecuted. Um, the parents who went to um, PTA meetings and threatened teachers with guns, which I'm sure happened, who were investigated and all these, you know, the, the pro-life protesters who were investigated, that she's basically saying that this is, Trump is a, a symbol for the rest of MAGA, for the rest of conservative America. He is you, we are he. Is, and we're gonna, you're gonna keep hearing that theme over and over. The next person, and I get a kick out of this lady, is Alina Haba, because she keeps going on television as, they keep changing her title, because she's one of Trump's attorneys, but she's not working on this case, and she doesn't work on any of the criminal cases. She's worked on civil cases, and she used to say, I'm his civil attorney, I'm his civil attorney, and now she's been dubbed the legal spokesperson. It's a ploy, it's election, it's election interference, and it's political lawfare. And I'm frankly just sick of it. It is part of the show. This is a show. It's a political show. Fanny, I can do TV too. The woman she's referring to there is Fanny Willis, the district attorney of Fulton County. Uh, and she's the one behind this whole thing. So uh, I just find Alina Haba very humorous because she's like this Jersey attorney and she dresses kind of uh, over the top and she, you know, is like staunchly, staunchly loyal to Donald J. Trump, even though she's like not working on any of these cases. So I just, I find her humorous for many, many reasons, kind of in a Carrie Lake kind of way. Now, very quickly before I move on to the next clip, which will be Hannity from Monday night, which was the two hour epic Hannity. So he gets broken up into two sections. I just want to give a word out to my sponsor, and that sponsor is you. <laughs> That's why I am a listener, reader-supported project. Uh, this will not have a newsletter. I don't have time to write it. Uh, I'm already backed up. But if you would like to become a sponsor of Decoding Fox News, you can go to my Substack at Decoding Fox News. I also have a Patreon for Decoding Fox News. And then there's a little dollar sign next to my name on Twitter. You can go there or the next best thing is to share this podcast with a friend tell a friend about this podcast give me a great review on apple Podcasts or wherever you get this podcast all of those things help out as well things got weird on hannity and hannity is someone who's been in broadcasting for his entire career he was the first person hired by fox news so he was he's old hat he understood i don't know what's happening i'm just gonna wing it and you could tell he was like recycling guests. So there was just a lot of people who would just, you know, like talk for five minutes, leave, come back, talk for five minutes, leave, come back. And the first voice you're going to hear on this is actually Jonathan Turley. And he's the one of the legal analysts at Fox. Alan Dershowitz comes up right after him. Newt Gingrich, Paul Manafort, which is interesting because he used to work on the Trump campaign. Stephen Miller and then Tommy Lahren. Uh, but I'll break it up as we go. There on. have been suggestions that the call will be featured prominently. There's also been references to a controversy involving Coffee County. This was where the Trump team gained access to one of the voting machines. Now, you have to keep in mind that back then, and you and I were doing the coverage, uh, the Trump team was trying to get access to these machines because they were alleging that the machines could be manipulated and that votes could be flipped. 
apparently someone, and they, she now may be one of these defendants, uh, gave them access to machines in Coffee County. I thought it was rather daring of Jonathan Turley to even bring up voting machines, given the fact that Fox News had to pay out a settlement of three quarters of a billion dollars to uh, Dominion Voting Systems. And Fox News also has a $2.7 billion lawsuit from Smartmatic over defamation. So tip of the hat there, Jonathan Turley, you live life on the edge. Dare you to say Smartmatic, dare ya, or even Dominion. They'd probably come back in and say, hello, give us more money. So uh, this is Alan Dershowitz. You know, on, on my podcast, I give bananas every day. I was up to two bananas, sort of Banana Republic. I'm now up to three, maybe even four after this indictment. Well, that's a powerful statement. I just want to add that was not creatively edited by me. That actually happened. That Alan Dershowitz is like, I have this thing on my podcast where I give things two bananas and I gave this three bananas for a banana. I can't really do his voice, but for a banana republic, pause. Wow. It's a powerful statement. I swear to God, that's what happened. That's real. I didn't edit that. That's how it played. Okay. Now we're moving on to Newt Gingrich, who makes this all about Democrats, because of course he does. Barack Obama, who corrupts the Justice Department. It is Hillary Clinton <clears throat> who routinely breaks the law and gets away with it. And now we have Joe Biden, who's learned. He's learned from Obama that <clears throat> doesn't matter what you do, if you're a liberal Democrat, you will not be prosecuted. He learned from Hillary that a person in high public office can get millions and millions of dollars. And they learned from watching Donald Trump that a true outsider willing to take on the entire system could destroy their entire machine. And this next voice is Paul Manafort, who worked on the Trump campaign. He was chairman of the Trump campaign briefly. Um, he was found guilty of eight felonies, filing fake tax returns, and he had some financial crimes on there and other things. He was ultimately, he served some time, but he was pardoned by Trump. So you can imagine where his loyalties lie. Uh, and parents at school board meetings, Catholics at uh, at pro-life co uh, conferences, they're starting to see the infiltration of what is the abuse of Donald Trump's constitutional rights. And I think as a result, that's why he's getting stronger, not weaker with these charges. You just talked to Paul Manafort. He was a political prisoner. Mike Flynn was a political prisoner. Roger Stone was a political prisoner. One after another after another, and now they want Donald Trump to be a political prisoner. The court of public opinion, that's the other half of this. The American people need to understand how this applies to their lives. Not just Donald Trump, who some people see as a billionaire, some people see as a man that they hate. The American people need to understand how this banana republic, how these charges, this weaponization is going to impact them, their daily life. So, yes, that was Stephen Miller after Paul Manafort. And then we went into Tommy Lauren and Tommy Lauren again, pushing that theme of this is really about you, not Trump. This is about you, the American people. If they could do this to him, they could do this to you. This is about you, which is actually very effective, but very dishonest, um, in my humble opinion. If I, I would love to go into uh, Michael Flynn and Paul Manafort and Roger Stone, but this would be a five hour long podcast if I did that. 
So we're going to move on. This is Mark Levin, my one of my favorite people to ever appear on Hannity because he always screams and loses his mind, and that's just fun to make fun of. We didn't have Jesse Waters, and he would have been the other one that would just be like, how is this happening? I don't understand. This is outrageous. Like, it's so funny that they say men aren't emotional because, wow, uh, Jesse Waters basically has a complete meltdown when Trump is indicted every time. And Mark Levin completely loses. I mean, just starts screaming at full volume. You'll hear it. He was actually calling in. Now, this is a, a highly edited version of a much longer rant, but you'll get the picture. Signed by the judge, filed with the clerk, and we expect to hear, <laughs> according to the clerk, it could be any moment now. Well, Stalin would be proud. I'm sure Putin's proud. I'm sure our enemies are celebrating and our allies are appalled. It was an attack on the Republican Party. Don't you dare challenge elections. Don't you dare send in other electors. Don't you dare question machines. Don't you dare do a damn thing, because nobody knows what the rules are in these Democrat cities or these states anymore. Number two, and I think it was Greg who brought this up, the nature of the statutes that they're using are so outlandish and so outrageous in the way that they're looking for anything to twist any law, to twist any event to try and take down Trump rather than leave it to the voters. And the fact that they want these trials immediately during the Republican primary before the election should make it so abundantly clear to everybody what's going on here. The problem is, uh, sorry, Alan, that the Democrat Party has become so radicalized and such a tool of its radical base. They are tonight, most of them, celebrating. They don't come out and say a damn thing about Hunter Biden. They circle the wagons. Joe Biden, they don't even have a curiosity about anything related to Joe Biden, despite the fact there are predicates all over the place for a special counsel. You know how many countries have voted for tyranny? People vote for tyranny. And then it's too late. They realize what they've done. You know how many dictators have been elected at the ballot box? And how many people who have challenged them have been called enemies of the state and have been thrown in prison a thousand years? Do you realize how ridiculous this is and how outrageous it is? Joe Biden going on vacation. The attorney general of the United States never opens his big mouth. And, Alan, it's not four bananas. It's four banana. So, Mark Levin, going back to uh, calling back Alan Dershowitz's podcast bit, about how many bananas the banana republic is, whatever the heck that means. I, I really wanted to include that clip of him talking about how people voted for tyranny, people vote for a dictator, which he's he is correct. That happens all over the world. People love authoritarianism because it seems easier. We'll just believe in this big personality. This guy will take care of everything and it'll be fine. Um, you've seen that pattern over and over and over again all over the world, especially in tumultuous times, people go to a strong man because it's just, it just seems like this guy will solve all their problems and we won't have to sit through, you know, complicated back and forth among legislatures who can't get along, can't come up with a solution. This, this one big personality will solve the problem, which of course that doesn't happen because you just get new problems with the dictator or the strong man. And uh, I just found that really ironic because that's what Trump is. Trump is the dictator wannabe. Trump is the strong man. At least that's how he would love to rule. And that's how he would love to basically take over the country. Uh, so Mark Levin doesn't really, he's so blinded by his, you know, hatred of the Democrats that he views Trump 
as like the freedom person, which is I, I everything every indicator is that Trump would dissolve democracy tomorrow and install Ivanka or one of his kids in after him if he could get away with it. Every single indicator. Um, I also want to note that yes, these are new charges, but they go over some of the other charges um, on the various shows. Nobody's bringing up January 6th, which <laughs> to me is probably the most, the biggest reason why I never want Trump anywhere near power again. Because uh, anyway, so this, now I go to sleep. We're all going to sleep. That was the end of Monday. That was at the very end of Monday. And oh, now that song. Ooh, we're waking up. That's my goofy thing. Now it's Tuesday morning. And um, I'm glad I got all these shows because had I not, that would have been it. That would have been it. Those three clips that you just heard would have been it. So this is Fox and Friends. Now the first voice, I do not know who this woman is. She was just introduced as like a White House correspondent. They gave her name. I couldn't get it. I didn't see it on the screen. So it's just a Fox correspondent that I'd never seen before. And then it's the usual uh, Steve Ducey, uh, Ansley Inhart, and Brian Kilmeade. I think what we've seen in the past is when he's indicted, his fundraising numbers go up. And, and then he said, why didn't they indict two and a half years ago? If they had a problem, why wait until now when I'm the front runner? They said it was a fictitious document. Reporters should be careful in what they're covering. So they but, lied. Uh, I mean, hours later, a very, very similar document was posted. That means, you know, did they have this indictment Changed before? Changed a little bit, then posted it. Maybe yeah, they sure. were practicing. They practiced right. everything else. Uh, what so happens before, when I push that button? Yeah, before the grand jury <laughs> indicted, they put it up there. That's yeah. true. Yeah, well, and see. they've been putting barricades up and getting new headshots. Yeah, right. Practicing. So yeah. Nostradamus yeah. actually posted that? Predicted what Brooke? was going to happen? Now, what they're talking about is that it was actually a, some, some type of test that somebody in the office um, at Fulton County, they were like kind of testing the system to announce this um, indictment. And they put up basically a, like a prop doc document that wasn't the actual document. And it somehow got leaked, it was a mistake. They've clarified this since, but that's what they're referring to. I should have explained that before I played it, but they're just referring to this like, this hiccup that everybody freaked out over. Um, and. You're going to also hear Greg Jarrett in this next clip. He's another one of the legal experts at Fox. He's on all the time. Yeah, Greg, Alan Dershowitz said the strategy here is to get a conviction before the election, even if it goes to the grand jury, even, or even if it goes to uh, an appeals court or to the Supreme Court. Get that conviction first, even if they knock it out later. At least they... Yeah, he's saying, you know, I need to find 11,000 some odd votes because that's his deficit. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is the same person who got away with clear crimes in her email scandal and also the same person that got rich off of her foundation uh, by Russian payments. And this is the same person who invented the Russia collusion hoax, yep. funded the phony dossier and had her minions uh, give, uh, you know, phony evidence to the FBI to try to drive Trump from office. I mean, her hypocrisy is pretty rich. Is Hillary, Rachel Maddow says to Hillary Clinton, you know, we have to learn to accept elections. You can't just push back every time you don't like an election the way it goes. Does she even, is she that oblivious? She doesn't know who she was talking to? A woman that says everybody knows that Donald Trump was, was illegitimately elected. He lost the election. A bleach bit, a hammer. 
It's incredible yeah. that, 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 that Rachel Maddow would ask her that question. And not push back. Yeah. Okay, coming up. So, yes, this is where the tide begins to turn <laughs> in that by 6 a.m., which is when Fox and Friends starts, um, 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, of course, it was well known that Hillary Clinton had an appearance with Rachel Maddow and Hillary Clinton laughed about the situation. She also said she was deeply concerned for the country because of the seriousness of this. But I get why she would laugh. I mean, hello. And then everybody on Fox freaked out and started making Hillary Clinton the villain again. Now, that comment about the dossier being the reason, the impetus for why the Department of Justice would start an investigation with a special counsel into any possible collusion between Trump and the Russians in the 2016 election. Uh, on Fox, they love to blame this dossier, which was partially paid for by Hillary's campaign, partly paid for by Republicans. That is not why there was an investigation into Trump. The investigation into Trump started with George Papadopoulos, who was a senior policy advisor, and he got drunk in a bar and started bragging and boasting and probably not being 100% truthful. And that he was saying to an Australian diplomat, oh, yeah, I know the Russians have dirt on Hillary. And then when some of this dirt started to come out, uh, the Australian contacted the FBI, and that's what began, began it. Now, this is well documented. It's in the Mueller report. It's actually in the Durham report. But everybody seems to forget this. And they just go, oh, it was the dossier, the dossier. It's just not true. So um, next up, we're going to move on to the five. There's only three voices in this. It's Greg Gutfeld, Judge Jeanine Pirro, and Charlie Hurt. Remember, Dan Democrats and media, you will never be able to contest another election as long as you live. And you love doing it. No more. You're not going to be able to do that. Well, I think that four indictments in five months is a bit excessive. <laughs> uh, I think it kind of reeks of, uh, as Alina Habas said, desperation. But he And unless your candidate is a pre-chosen one by the establishment, you will be targeted with lawfare, which means your staff and your lawyers and your family will be sued and charged because all of these in indictments are meant to send a warning to everybody else. Don't work with Trump. The issue is not whether he wanted to overthrow it, but did he believe that he won? If he believed that he won, pursuing all these avenues are okay for him because in themselves they are not illegal. If you say, look, I need to find 11,000 votes, that's very different from saying, I need you to find me 11,000 votes somewhere. He just knows he's behind by 11,700 votes. And this is the largest political cancellation in history. It's a bloodless assassination. So if you're on the opposition, you're watching this show right now and laughing and you're, because you're getting what you're applauding, you're applauding something that isn't moral at all. It's something that is emotional and kind of petty. But it's going to come back to bite you in the ass. You could you could go into my county in southern Virginia and you could line up a uh, a, a grand jury that would uh, could you, somebody who overdosed on fentanyl that Joe Biden allowed into the border, somebody who was murdered by an illegal alien that Joe Biden waved into the country, and you could come up with charges of accessory to murder for President Biden, and you could charge him right. under this scam. 
who predicted this, Chuck Schumer. Remember, he said, yep. "Don't mess with the oh, intel you agencies. Are so right. Don't mess with the intel agencies. They'll keep. They'll arrest your team and keep it off the field." But you, but, the Rhodes Scholar there, Greg Gutfeld, um, with his BA in something. You know, I don't know what his BA was in, but he has a BA. At least Judge Janine Pirro is an attorney and was a judge. So it makes more sense that she would talk about it. Um, but did he even say anything that made any sense other than my favorite when he made the comment about you, Democrats, you can never uh, complain about an election again and say something was shady. I just thought, you know, can you have a chat with Mitch McConnell about, I don't know, nominating SCOTUS nominees, voting for them right before an election? Because he's not he hasn't been consistent on that at all. You know, just I would have a chat. I'd call him up. Hey, Mitch McConnell, you want to have it? Anyway. Um, so that was the five. They only did one segment on it. It was just the A block. And then we move on to Ingram. And this is the real reason why I wanted to do this, because I'm like, how can I do one of these podcasts and not have Ingram? Because she's, she's, she's the former uh, Supreme Court clerk. She was a white-collar crime lawyer she would be perfect for this, right? And she did not let me down. Some days I know it's hard to believe that we're still living in the United States. The America I grew up in was a place where we don't put our political opponents in prison. The idea that requesting a new slate of electors can amount to criminal conduct is obscene. Ditto for President Trump's telling a Georgia official to find me, what was it, 11,000 votes? That's criminal? It's the ultimate in election interference through corrupt, politically venal indictments. And who are the real defenders of democracy again? So yes, very glad to get that reaction. And now we have Senator Josh Howley, who takes things to kind of a crazy level. He also repeats again, we've heard this theme already, about Catholics and parents at PTA meetings, and kind of goes through the pro-life protesters, goes through the list, and then he just keeps going further with it to really kind of nonsensical layers of hyperbole. It's also Catholics who have had their parishes infiltrated. It's also pro-life demonstrators who've had SWAT teams sent to their doors. It's also those who have protested peacefully, who've had the FBI show up and knock at their doors. It's parents who've gone to school board meetings and now been labeled domestic terrorists. There's a message, they're trying to send a message loud and clear, and the message is don't mess with us. And why are they going after Trump? Because he messed with them. He challenged them across the board. He challenged their pro-war policies. He's challenged them on Ukraine. He's challenged their globalist agenda that's ripped off our working class for years, hollowed out the industrial base of this country and made our workers in this country slaves compared to China and these other nations that have taken away our jobs, taken away our technology. Trump challenged all of that. And the message is, if you challenge them on this stuff, if you challenge them on these policies they hold dear, they will come after you. So for me, the craziest thing he said there was that he was comparing American workers to workers in China, and then he called the American workers slaves. And that's bonkers. We have plenty of problems in the United States, uh, insane income inequality, uh, you know, wages are too low. Yes, lots of dead-end jobs, of course. But in the United States, we still have more choices, even if they're difficult choices, and you know, people are born in, in very terrible circumstances. But in China, you can't even protest the government. You can't, you can't speak about the government. They don't have a free press. Uh, they were 
you know, sealing people inside buildings during COVID to stop the spread of the disease. If you've seen any of the videos from China, China is sort of the worst combination of a free market and communism combined. That's just my opinion. I'm not a fan of the government style in China or the economic. I don't care for any of it. Now, Chinese people are very different. I would never say that. But the government, the structure, I'm not a fan. Not a fan. So to call American workers slaves in comparison to China is, you are really inventing reality there. And they love demonizing China, too. So that's just, none of this, none of that made any sense. I have no idea what he's talking about there. These next two voices are Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, representative from Georgia, and a fellow representative of Georgia, a man named Buddy Carter. And this is a grown man whose first name, and he's a representative, U.S. representative, his first name is Buddy. President Trump got the most amount of Republican votes for any presidential candidate in history. So on behalf of the people here in Georgia, Laura, I want everyone to know that we don't listen to a word that our former Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan has to say. As a matter of fact, uh, nobody cares what he has to say except the viewers maybe on CNN. I'd just like to point out to Marjorie Taylor Greene that even though Trump got the most votes of any Republican candidate anywhere, <laughs> President Joe Biden got more votes than Trump. That's how math works. I know that's difficult. I know I'm not quite doing her accent. I'm doing more of a Missouri accent. But you know what? You know what, Marjorie Taylor Greene? That's how whoever gets the most votes and the Electoral College electorates things, those votes, wins the presidency. And in this case, President Biden got more of both. Just, that woman drives me crazy. There is a justice system in America for those who are named Clinton and Biden and for everyone else. And that we have real evidence that the Biden family made tens of millions of dollars from corrupt business deals with wire transfers from country after country into fake LLCs, paying out Biden family members. And we're working very hard to link this directly with proof to Joe Biden. How do I convince the GOP voters that while these indictments are obviously political, you know, lawfare, I guess you could call it. Again, and the drinking game is lawfare. Don't do Hunter. If you do Hunter Biden as a drinking game watching this stuff, you're, you're going to be in the hospital. But lawfare, lawfare, just suddenly everybody's saying lawfare on Fox, and I'm sure that's spontaneous. I'm sure nobody said, hey, here's the word of the week, <laughs> lawfare, because she even tries to act in that clip like she just came up with it. Also, the Marjorie Taylor Greene clip is hilarious and i just want to play that section again because i i just find that so funny we have real evidence that the biden family made tens of millions of dollars from corrupt business deals with wire transfers from country after country into fake llc's paying out biden family members and we're working very hard to link this directly with proof to joe biden i love it when she tries to sound like she's intelligent i mean i just find that humorous like Okay, I'm going to put away the theatrics now, and I'm going to say we almost sort of kind of have real proof of million, tens of millions of dollars of wire transfers going into accounts, and we're going to almost kind of maybe in a way, eventually we're going to get there and we're going to link it. That's the key. We got to link 
We have proof. We have evidence. It just doesn't link. Need to find that link and then bam. No more Joe Biden. Biden. And then I'm going to go park my vehicle. Okay, I can look. Before anybody sends me a hateful Juliet, you're making fun of Southern people. Y'all need to remember that I'm from Missouri, okay? <laughs> and I'm doing an accent that I grew up around. Funny thing, if you're an international listener, and I know I have a few, one of the funnier things about the United States is if you're in a city or a metropolitan area, whatever regional accent exists is pretty subtle for the most part, except for like Boston, I guess, and New York, depending. There's some areas where it's Texas. Okay, okay. But like most, the Midwest, you'll have like a, a mild accent. But then if you go like an hour away, and it doesn't take much, an hour, two hour drive, it's as if you've gone into a different country. The accents could be so much thicker. And you're like, I have no idea what this person's even saying. And that's how it was for St. Louis. We'd go out, my family would go out if we went on to like visit caves or something. That's something you do in, in Missouri a lot. And people always thought we were from another state. <laughs> we'd be like, no, we just drove here. It's like an hour. We're from St. Louis. And they're like, oh, St. Louis. We know St. Louis. Go Cards. And we're like, okay, go Cards. It's a baseball team. Anyway, so next up we have Jesse Waters. And there's only two voices in this. It's Pete Hegseth and Brett Tolman. And Brett Tolman's a former prosecutor. He's a common guest on Fox News. Never in American history has there been one. They have now brought 90 plus one, 91 against their most feared political opponent. I want to know who wrote the script for that. What on earth? There's never been one. Now there's 90. 90 plus one. 91. Okay, so that it's not 91 from one judge. This is four indictments, multiple charges, and... I know this blows people's minds away over at Fox, but to the rest of the country that's not in this cult, that's not brainwashed into La La, that man's our, our superhero, he looks very much like a criminal. Without the indictments, take the indictments away, and we just see a completely crooked human being who lies constantly and schemes and does everything he can to get away with whatever he can. <sighs> just had to get that out. It's I'm just... Oh, I'd start losing my mind. So this is Brett Tolman. So what comes next for Trump? And why is he being charged like a mafia kingpin? Let's ask former federal prosecutor Brett Tolman. Brett, thanks for being here. I've been waiting to hear from you, get you to sound off on this as a prosecutor. What do you make of this prosecution, this case right here, and how it compares to the others that Donald Trump now faces? Pete, thanks for having me on. Great to see you again. I will tell you that my assessment of this case is it is a Frankenstein that Mary Shelley would have been repulsed by. It, it is. It needs to be displayed. It needs to be torn apart, and the creator needs to be run out of office. I, I don't. I don't say that lightly. So, um, yes, he's basically calling the charges Frankenstein, which I would interpret to be to mean that he's saying that they're trying to, you know, take this and that from over there and this and that and over there, put it, stitch it together and make it into a monster, basically. Um, trying to say that these charges aren't real. Like, my sister had very different opinions about this. She was like, uh, she's always felt that the charges in Georgia were the strongest against him because you could see this pressure that he was trying to put on government officials to change votes or to, to let him get away with whatever he wanted to get away with. 
and um, that it was organized. It seemed like a scheme. Um, I can't really explain it all, but she did. One thing I just want to point out that Jill said that was very uh, important to this case is the large amount of co-conspirators who were, who were charged at the same time. Now, some of those people are going to immediately plea. It doesn't matter what anybody says now. People who have fairly low charges, who basically all they have to do is turn evidence on somebody else, will take that opportunity and they will run. They will say, oh, well, this is what happened and here's my cell phone or here's some emails to back that up or whatever. And in discovery, they're going to find a lot of this as well. But that is when the court says, give us all your stuff and they go through it. But some of these lower level, this is a strategy that's common, uh, lower level people that have, um, haven't really done as, as heinous of a crime, whatever they're charged with, will turn immediately. Um, it's, it's a very common tactic. And my, my sister was based, she said for years, she jokes about it. Like this whole idea of like criminals being super true and, and, and not being very, very loyal. That's not really how it works out in reality. Maybe the actual mafia, because they know the repercussions if they're not loyal. But uh, most criminals, especially in some goofy scheme like this, the second they can see a light to get out of this trouble, they will, they will take that opportunity. And if that means turning on three, four people, they'll do it. So that's just her two cents. A former president and current front runner who's never been arrested before in his life, is facing 91 felony charges. That's 700 years in prison. Even Moses wouldn't make it out alive. 700 years for daring to, con daring to contest the 2020 election, having some documents in his home, and filling out a business ledger in New York. Make Trump look like a criminal. I just want to point out I did not edit anything out there. He basically, Hegseth tried to reduce all of this to documents the Stormy Daniels case and what happened in Georgia. He left out January 6th and I went back and checked and checked and checked. He left out January 6th, just didn't mention it. Like what? People storming the Capitol as he sat in the dining room, watched it on Fox, that didn't happen. People saying hang Mike Pence, that didn't happen. Fake electors, didn't mention that either, did ya? No, anyway. Then next year in 2024, trap the leading Republican in court, drain his resources. While they're doing this to Trump right now, if it works, they will come for his supporters next. Just wait. I just want to point out really quickly that there's a tapping noise that you heard in some of Pete Hegseth's clips. He had a pen and he was in some type of ancillary studio, not the proper studio in Fox, and he was tapping it when he was talking and that's what was causing that noise. I think if he was in a better setup, somebody would have said in his ear, stop doing that. But anyway, I just wanted to let you know, because sometimes people give me notes and I'm like, I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Um, I just want to take a quick tangent because it's been a theme throughout the entire evening. Every single clip I've showed has, has, has played includes this idea of it's not about Trump. It's about you. It's about this larger audience. And when I first started into this industry, I was researching the Proud Boys. And around that time in 2016 was sort of the rise of the alt-right, which doesn't really exist anymore. But at the time, it was these far-right kind of extremist personalities. And they were all kind of coming up at the same time. And it was sort of like, who's going to be the next to send to, to turn this into a career? 
and who's going to falter? Because once you go full Nazi, it's you kind of can't pull it back. And they, they, some of them were actually going like full Nazi. It's very difficult to pull that off and have any sort of like career because, you know, you, you basically turn into a monster. But there were a few that did. They managed to do it. And one thing that I noticed, uh, it was very clear, is the ones that ascended and turned into like a personality that, that have followers and monetized it and, and all of that scariness. You didn't have to be bright. You didn't have to be a wordsmith and a great writer. Uh, most of them just angry personality, strong opinions. Uh, and they made whatever their movement was about their audience. Uh, they said, this is about a movement. This is about America. This is about liberty. This is about freedom. And it became, that's exactly what Fox does. It's exactly what Trump does. And I point this out because my purpose of being with this gig is to help other people figure out what they're listening to and to figure out what is making your uncle get obsessed with Fox or your mother get obsessed with Fox and what pulls them in and draws them in. And as I've talked about in previous podcasts, the best way to pull them out, and it's very difficult if you're very close to the person emotionally to do this, but you have to be very chill, very unemotional, non-combative, and just be like, you really think that? Really? I don't think that. You, you, you won't win them over with facts. You won't win them over with logic. It, it's almost like this slow nodding, getting them out. It's, it's, it's like de-radicalization is what they call it. It's a new term for deprogramming. But it's, it's, it has to be the slow, gradual, very try to talk about other topics, try to change the subject, get them obsessed with something else. Oh, look, it's your favorite scrapbooking or it's crossword puzzles or it's this TV show you used to love or this movie you used to love or remember you liked gardening? All those things that you can sort of work into the conversation without uh, being combative. It's very difficult if you're emotionally close to the person. Trust me, I have some family members who are also... Not Fox, actually. I'm lucky, but <laughs> that would be weird for me. So this cl last clip is from Hannity, and the only voices in this is Sean Hannity and Laura Trump. America today, if you are a prominent Democrat, last name's Clinton or Biden, it's totally okay to deny election results. You can even use Russian disinformation to do it, no problem at all. But if your last name is Trump, if you're a Republican, a conservative, you'll be indicted for jaywalking. But President Biden, he's not been charged with any crimes. Welcome to Joe Biden's America. In fact, as far as we know, he's not even under investigation. Instead, it's former President Trump, 18 others, including his own lawyers, no attorney-client privilege. That has been waived. That's, uh, we, we'll get rid of that. We'll use the crime fraud exception. They're accused of challenging election results, something Democrats have been doing since Al Gore tried to reverse the 2000 election in Florida by finding votes with only selective recounts, only in Democratic districts. That's what they tried. <laughs> Gosh, I wish I could, Sean. Uh, you know, it's, it's really incredible to see this stuff happen. And by the way, those clips you played of Hillary Clinton, wow. Let us never forget all of those. And she led into that uh, interview with Rachel Maddow, by the way, laughing. Now, this was hard to convey in a short montage, but in his episode last night, Hannity spent a lot of time. It was very difficult to analyze it. I had to keep stopping, going back, stopping, going back. 
when I go through these episodes, I have a spreadsheet and I literally count every minute. So if he talks about something for two minutes, I write it in the spreadsheet as, the, you know, whatever the topic was, two minutes, two and a half minutes, two and a quarter, four minutes, whatever. And last night, it was almost like a stream of consciousness monologue where he would go in and out of Trump into Hillary, uh, from Hillary back to Trump, Trump, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, Trump, Hillary, Hillary. And because uh, this, it was very definite that he was transitioning and this was purposeful. This is a written script, which I don't have right now. I'm just winging it. <laughs> I'll openly admit that. Uh, <laughs> you can probably tell. Anyway, he, since he was going in and out of these topics, I would stop and go, wait a second, when did he transition? And I would write it down and I would write it down. Um, and it was trying, I think it was purposely doing that to kind of make it seem like it was all one big mess. Now, this last clip is Mark Levin losing his mind. This time he's in studio. And again, this is greatly edited. At this Democrat party, it does hate America. It's hated America since its founding. It supported eugenics. Now it supports abortion on demand. This is an attack on the people. One of the greatest constitutions ever written in the world was the Soviet Constitution written by Joseph Stalin. It meant nothing. It was a genocidal dictatorship. Don't tell me they're standing for we the people. Don't tell me that this is the party we count on to protect the vote. Don't tell me that this is the party protecting documents and emails and texts when it's the party of Hillary Clinton that destroyed 30,000 of them and was never charged with obstruction. Don't tell me that these bums believe in classified information when the jerk prosecutor in Washington, D.C.'s been leaking information related to classified information, and Bill Clinton is still free to roam the countryside when he had classified, classified information in his sock drawers. This isn't even about any of this. This is about a political party that sees its opportunity to seize control, to destroy the constitutional construct, to embrace these nut Marxists in their party, to push their equity agenda, to control prosecutions. To con uh, we have prosecutors, Soros, Democrats. We have the guy they dragged back from The Hague who looks like he should be tried in The Hague, quite frankly. They've destroyed our justice system, just as are destroying our republic, destroying our voting system, destroying our sovereignty, destroying women's votes, censorship, destroying free speech, destroying the right to protest, ask the pro-lifers, attacking faith, Ask the Catholics. This is a revolution. People better wake the hell up. Every revolution doesn't have to be violent. In fact, some of the, some of the more brilliant communists said, in a country like the United States or in the Western countries, you're not going to have the proletariat rising up. You're not going to have the middle class rising up. It's got to be top down. What they're doing to Donald Trump, they're doing to America, they're doing to the American people. And I don't know if we're going to claw our way out of it, but enough of our fellow citizens better understand that this is about them and their liberty. So I'm, I'm glad I took that time to explain what I was talking about because Mark Levin just demonstrated it perfectly. <laughs> because here's a person who, uh, he is almost comical in that he's like a walking cliche of a right-wing uh, pundit, I guess, is what you'd call him. He It's just constant fear, constant paranoia. When in doubt, bring up Stalin. He brings up Stalin all the time. Soviet Union brings up the Soviet Union constantly. Scream a lot. It's about us. Everything's going to hell. The world's collapsing. It's about you. It's about you. It's about you. Run for your life. It's all over if we don't act now. 
And it, that's the you know, whip people up, get them all worked up. And he just screams the whole time. I don't know if a woman could get away with that same delivery. Uh, like, uh, Laura Ingram's more snide. I, I, I just I, I just think culturally, I don't know if a woman could get away with just yelling the whole time. But men can, <laughs> at least on the right. Because I've seen a lot of that delivery. A lot of it. Where they just yell. And I'm like, why? who listens to this? I want to, I don't, anyway. So that's the wrap-up, and again, that was starting from Monday night into all day uh, Tuesday into Tuesday night. Uh, Brett Barrett had gave me nothing. It was a very sanitized kind of pedestrian, very middle of the road. He didn't really, he just kind of commented on it, and that was it. Um, so I didn't use any of his clips because it was just, there wasn't much to pull from. Uh, and, and, but I tried. I watched both of them. I analyzed both of them. So, uh, yeah, we're in for a ride. It's going to be a really weird election cycle. I have no idea what's going to happen, but buckle up. This won't be boring. Uh, I think I will say this before I go. I think Trump is a menace. I think he's a threat to our democracy, and I'm not going to hold that in at all, especially after January 6th. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to become a supporter, you can go to my Substack, Decoding Fox News, Patreon, Decoding Fox News, my cats, Odin and Thor, Send their love. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you at the next podcast.